0: scores! Gilmore scores. The three left. Off the glass of left corner to Aguila. Aguila in the left circle. Passing the yell, the
1: shot saved. Made by all Aguila. Three bounds. Another shot. They score! The Flames win it! Yeah! Baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts.
2: Flames talk. Starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson.
1: All right, we are underway this hour. It is Wednesday, April 5th. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit Calgary Lock and Safe. Com. Yeah, Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson along with you. Coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio on the Wednesday that uh, so many of us have circled on the calendar for so long. And yet the uh, circle on the calendar feels a... Uh, a little less important after what happened on Tuesday. First of all, Wes Gilbertson from Post Media sitting across from me. Hi, Wes. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm it, doing all right.
2: It uh, it sort of feels like 20-some guys should have circled last night, too.
1: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. That's uh, Well, you know what? Let's dive right in. Let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Gary's is the only family of products curated for the tastes of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. And I guess the question that a lot of people are asking that we're all trying to find an answer for and not just on the outside is how the flames could let that happen against Chicago with everything that that game meant on Tuesday. We knew you didn't, you didn't need a magnifying glass to know how much the game against the Jets meant, but what about the game against Chicago and the spot it could put it, put you in and, and I'll, I'll take this, 30 seconds to applaud the Chicago Blackhawks. They played hard. They played their butts off. They played with urgency. They clearly wanted to win that game and and clearly were ready to snap their losing skid. They lost eight in a row all in regulation. It was time. I give them all the credit in the world. And don't tell me about Players ever wanting to tank after watching the way that they competed against the Flames. Organizations, sure. But the players themselves, that's a perfect example of of how players never are going to try to lose hockey games. Right. But you know what? Any of what Chicago did is next to irrelevant for me. Because that game wasn't about the Blackhawks. Tuesday night was was all about... The Flames showing up was all about Calgary's urgency level, was all about their work ethic, and all about the type of game they were going to play. And if the Flames match Chicago's urgency, and if the Flames match Chicago's work ethic, then it doesn't matter how well Chicago plays or how desperate they played the Flames win that hockey game. But the problem is they didn't, and they lose a game in regulation to a 32nd-ranked team and don't pick up a single win against that team in the regular season, and now here we are, and they've put themselves behind the eight ball for the rest of the season. Regardless of what happens in Winnipeg, they've put themselves on the back foot for the rest of the season because they didn't take care of business in a game that they had no business in not taking care of it.
2: Yeah, it, it it is an inexcusable loss, and you're right. Give the Chicago Blackhawks some credit for for the way they battled and the way they worked and the give a hoot that they showed up with. Because if they didn't, you wouldn't have necessarily questioned it. They have a reason to be checked out, yeah. And so the fact that the Calgary Flames, with everything to play for, could not match the desperation of a team with nothing to play for, it's just, it's mind-boggling, to be honest. And I know we're going to talk, as this entire city is talking today, about the potential that the Flames were guilty of looking past the Blackhawks and looking to tonight in Winnipeg. And I'm sure there's some truth to that, but we're talking about a Blackhawks team that beat you twice already. And so how do you look past that team? And how do you lose to them for a third time, yeah. it, it quite frankly, I, I mentioned this to you off the air. We're now eighteen hours removed from the final buzzer. It was about eighteen hours ago that the Flames couldn't buy a shot on goal in the early stages of that third period last night, and I still haven't totally wrapped my head around what happened.
1: Yep, and 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 honestly, I haven't either. And and yeah, maybe they. Maybe they did look past Chicago. And and you know what? That's human nature in a lot of ways. But if you're gonna be a playoff team, you gotta beat that. Like I I think that in any of our walks of lives, occupational or or when it comes to just whatever we do, you always find yourself looking forward and and maybe not putting as if, if you've got something that you're, you're excited for your vacation and you leave on Saturday and your last day of work's on Friday, yeah, you're probably looking ahead to Saturday and getting on that airplane and you're probably mailing it in on Friday. And you're not supposed to do that and you're supposed to be a pro and you're supposed to overcome that. Well, in professional sports, when you're fighting for a playoff spot and you've got a huge game against one team the next day, you have got to find a way and I'm not saying it's easy because it's clearly not, but you have got to find a way to be able to not look past the game that's right in front of you. And I, I'm i actually a little surprised that it happened because I had – really felt good about the Flames and how they were not looking past anything and were doing a nice job of focusing only on the immediate task in front of them and had done that for a good 10 or 11 games in a row. I was I was quite impressed as to how they were flushing things behind them and weren't looking at the big picture. And when you hear guys post-game talking about maybe they were guilty of that, it's a little frustrating because of how well they had been doing it before, and the fact that you just couldn't allow that to happen. Here's uh, here's Michael Backlund post game in the room on Tuesday night.
3: Maybe too many, too many of us were thinking about tomorrow's game and thinking a little too far ahead. Uh, no, you know, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough question
1: to answer. And then this was Blake Coleman with us on our Flames talk post game. Apparently Blake only joins us after tough losses. I feel bad now because he's always on the headset live with us after losses, it feels like. But uh, this was Blake Coleman on our Flamestock postgame Tuesday night.
2: It's an inexcusable loss. It's a game that we needed. And, uh, you know, I don't know if guys are looking past or what, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we just, we didn't have what it took tonight. And, uh, you know, we got a back-to-back here and it's a quick turnaround and it's still a huge game for us.
3: Um, So it's time to be good pros here and put that behind us and, and move on and... Get win tomorrow
1: so that was last night that was right after the loss but listen to this and and this is maybe the most telling thing that we'll hear this was the next day this was Wednesday morning this is assistant coach Ryan Huska in conversation with Peter Labardius for our pregame show and just listen to what Ryan Huska had to say about how Tuesday night went
3: you often wonder about games where where players have the opportunity to look ahead um and the, the challenge, I think, a lot of times is for players to stay in the moment. I don't necessarily think we did a great job of that last night. Um, you know, our details weren't the greatest to start the game. Second period, we started to like what we were doing, where we you're headed in the right direction. Um, and then it, it seemed like things fell apart for us in the third period, where in a situation where we should have been focused on the presence, uh, what's right in front of us at that moment, um, and took care of business, we weren't able to get it done. But Again, we still have life, and I'll keep going back to that, that when when guys understand the importance of staying in the moment and, and focusing on the only thing that matters right now is is today and what's in front of us. can't look behind you. You can't look ahead of you. It's what's right in front of you. If our guys can do the job of staying in the moment for 60 minutes tonight, we're going to be
1: fine. So that's Ryan Huska, who the next day straight up confirms that, yeah, they did not do a very good job of focusing on what was in front of them And we're guilty of looking ahead as to how big this game against the Jets was going to be. It's still a big game. Don't get me wrong. But it's not. it doesn't have the same type of importance. Even if you win this game, you don't control your fate anymore. If you win against Chicago, then you put yourself in a spot where you truly are back in the driver's seat if you beat the Jets. And now regardless of what happens at Canada Life Center in Winnipeg you aren't going to be in the driver's seat the rest of the season maybe you can get one hand on the steering wheel but you're you're sitting as a passenger for the rest of the year and we heard the right things after morning skate yesterday we heard
2: Nazem Kadri and i'm sure his name will come up again on this program we heard him talk about all these games that we've strung together this four game winning streak we realize it doesn't mean as much if we don't win tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks Mm -hmm. we we heard more than one player make that point and then they just they they didn't have the response they they didn't play the way that a team that was desperate for those two points needs to play you know to use your analogy and yes it is human nature if you have a vacation on Saturday maybe you're going to feel a little checked out at work on Friday. But to use that analogy, the Flames weren't checked out at work on Friday. They forgot to go to the airport for the vacation. Yep. they This was a two-step process. For tonight to mean what they wanted it to mean, it was a two-step process. It wasn't mail it in one night and then go get your two points. They needed to do both, and they told us that. And yes, as Ryan Huska said, as several players told us post-game, they had to flush it. They had to fly to Winnipeg saying, we're not out of this yet. And they're not out of it yet. And yet, you put it perfectly. They're what they don't have now is control of their fate. They need to win tonight in Winnipeg. That that is an absolute must have. But now they're gonna need help. Yeah. And so they'd and this I, I said this to you, you know, a few minutes before we started, and this is something you know, you kind of have trouble with a little bit is this is a team that deserved full marks for what they had done. This is a team that won four in a row for the first time this season. This is a team that was starting to show us a a lot of the resilience that had been missing. You know, it's hard now to sit here and rip them to shreds for what we saw in one game, but they deserve it because that was a game that they had to have. The Chicago Blackhawks arrived on an eight game losing streak. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They played hard, but there's a reason that the playoff teams expect to beat up on the pretenders at this time of year. Those are two points that you absolutely have to have. And for the Calgary Flames to board that flight to Winnipeg last night without them, it just, it's one of those that I think they're. Whatever money puck has it at today, whatever th- these various sites are pegging it, there's an 85 or 90% chance that we're going to be sitting here talking about that Tuesday night game against the Blackhawks when 16 other teams are starting their playoff push.
1: Yep. They, uh, that was a massive missed opportunity. And, and I got to be honest with you, when they started the game, I thought they looked nervous and, and I thought that, I kind of even thought to myself, well, them being nervous at the very least means that they understand the importance of the game. So I actually felt good, even, even after them going down one nothing, they tied it, and then there's the egregious giveaway that made it 2-1, but I was still feeling pretty good. The Flames dominated the second period, only scored the one, which, you know, that's um, a bigger picture conversation that we've heard a lot of through 78 games. Sounds familiar. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's 2-2 after 40. And then they came out and looked nervous to start the third period. But I don't know. It was like a different type of nervous. And they did not seem like they were present. And you had two of your top players make mistakes that you just can't make in that scenario. I mean, obviously Kadri getting stripped of the puck. It was one giveaway, then another giveaway. And then Athens see you and it's three, two. And then what less than 90 seconds later, um, Rasmus Anderson tries to pinch, misses a puck that it was, it wasn't a 50, 50 puck. Like that's just not a time when you pinch, it gets over him. And next thing you know, Calgary kid Austin Wagner, good toe drag, beats Mackenzie Weger, And it's a 4-2 game, and the Flames are, are truly chasing it for the rest of the night. That's, that is the best example of a group not being present. Because that's when you say, okay, nerves, they were so much better than Chicago in the second period. All it took was being in it starting the third period as the better team and then going out and asserting and, and starting to turn that tide, And maybe the Flames don't score two goals in the first four minutes like Chicago does, but if they go out and assert, I'm sorry, Peter Moranzik is very athletic and a nice guy and, and an easy guy to cheer for, but they're probably getting one past him if that's the way they start. And they don't, and right. then they're chasing it for the rest of the night. And that that's the part that I think was the most inexcusable.
2: They had one shot on net in the first 10 minutes of the third period yeah. last night in a, not to sound like a broken record, in a must-win game against a bleep team, one shot in the first 10 minutes of the third period. it You just, you can't have it. And so you you sort of keep trying to digest what we witnessed last night. And I just, you know, if we're following the golden rule, we would have moved on to another topic by now because I I just don't have a whole lot of nice things to say right Nazem Kadri looked absolutely lost last night Chris Tanev looked like he wasn't ready to be back in the lineup Rasmus Anderson looked like he was trying to do too much Jonathan Huberto looked like a non-factor and you can go it's not just those four I could probably list off 10 more guys that just weren't good enough in a game that they had to have Yep, And so here we are 18 hours later as they get ready for what remains the biggest game of their season tonight in Winnipeg, but it's not win and you're in the driver's seat. It's win.
1: Maybe you're not in the trunk. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Cause you're like, you're, you're, uh, you're like the cans after a, a wedding celebration. If you lose tonight, um, your, your magic number or, tragic number is down to two points or one game if they lose this game in Winnipeg uh it would uh it would obviously they'd still be on the back foot if they win they still won't be in a playoff spot if they win but at the very least it makes the next few games still meaningful if they lose this one those final three games in Vancouver at home to Nashville at San Jose are playing out the string and and that I thought 80, 81 at least were going to actually truly be meaningful with what we had seen. And I, I got to be honest with you. I am still a little surprised. I, I shouldn't be. It's like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice and 56 times and, like, shame on me. And yet I was still surprised that that's the way things went. And I shouldn't be. Like, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised that I'm surprised. But there I am. Like, I am quite... I'm still quite flabbergasted that that's what we saw from a veteran group in that situation on Tuesday night, and I do not know what to expect against the Jets from an effort standpoint. It's, it's, it's one of those scenarios where I'm, I'm really not sure what we're going to see against Winnipeg on Wednesday night.
2: I, I was just scrambling to find the file on my computer, and so I'm going to read a quote that I transcribed yesterday, and, and obviously it's not audio, but this is something that, that really struck me that Nikita Zdorov said after the morning skate yesterday morning. He says, win the game so we have a chance to fight against Winnipeg tomorrow. That's our mindset. To at least stay in the fight, we need to win the game tonight. And so, you weren't... I, I get post-game, there. they have to tell you, you know, we still yep. believe. We're still optimistic. But when you hear that comment from Nikita Zdorov after morning skate saying the only way to stay in this race is to win this game tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks. Narrator, they didn't. <laughs> it makes you wonder... They didn't. They did not. <laughs> it makes you wonder what we'll see tonight. Because, yeah. yes, you can say all the right things and and you expect to see all the right things. I think it was Rasmus Sanderson said, post-game, I expect every single guy to play their best tomorrow in Winnipeg. But if that was the way Nikita Zdorov possibly the most honest of flames and we love them for it was feeling after morning skate. If that was the mindset in the room is, Hey, if we don't win this one, we can kind of forget about it. Then how do you get up for tonight in Winnipeg? And and please don't hear that for me and, and mistake that for me saying they would be justified to not get up for tonight in Winnipeg. You know, we, We'd better see a, a determined, resilient sort of performance from the flames. And yet, if that's how they were feeling yesterday morning, do they believe they're still in the fight?
1: Yeah. It's a fair question. And I that's why and then there's some other reasons why I'm a little concerned about what we see in Winnipeg. Um read you a few texts, nine sixty, nine sixty, starting with this one that says It felt like a 1-2 series deficit going into the game against Chicago. The Flames lost game four against the Blackhawks because they were looking ahead to game five. Now they're down 3-1, and it feels like an inevitability even if they win in Winnipeg. That's a good analogy for it because it kind of feels that way now. Um, This says 2-2 going into the third at home against the 32nd-ranked team in the league. What happened in that first five minutes, Pat? I don't know for sure, but... I think we just took our best stab at it. Um, this from John. Flames didn't look past anyone. Their effort and give a damn speaks loud and clear about how much they've thrown in the towel. Tonight will be a blowout. Put your money on a three-goal loss. They talk like they care, but Sutter's got out of his way to put this team in terrible situations. His choice of goalies, his choice to keep youth out of the lineup, has killed them all season long. Uh, this from Wedley, the flames left Kevin at the airport while flying to Florida, but, uh, don't dream it's over. Um, Wedley, if you're looking for the home alone plot, shame on you. They were going to Paris. They weren't going to Florida. So if you're going to, if you're going to bring it was the home alone s- into this, they were going to Paris.
2: It was the start of a, of a strong reference. And then. Yeah.
1: You really blew
2: it. I'd give credit where it was due because hey anytime we can talk about home alone let's go for it <laughs> but it's paris
1: uh what else we got here at 916 960 960? um this says i know it doesn't look good but do you think the jets are gonna win out they've got the Avs, wild and preds i'm not suggesting they are but the flames have to win out too um and they all i'm saying is that they are in a spot where they don't control their own destiny. They with a win over Chicago, you could easily say uh, that they controlled their own destiny.
2: Yeah, and, and now they need help. That Now they are absolutely desperate for a regulation win tonight, but it's going to take a whole lot more than that. And, and yes, you can bring up those teams that the Winnipeg Jets have to play, and yet it's looking more and more like those games might not matter a ton. Colorado in Game 82 might not be as scary as it would look on paper.
1: I do want to um, express my heartfelt apologies to Wedley, one of our favorites, and I—I I am look, I'm nothing but accountable when I make mistakes. Even though I was accurate, they were going to Paris and Home Alone. When I make mistakes, I own up to them. Uh, home Alone two lost in New York. They were going to Florida, so I want to make sure. That I apologize to Wedley. Your reference was also correct. And I think it's important to be accountable in this day and age.
2: I don't want to say I'm not apologizing, but if we're gonna talk home alone, let's stick to the classic.
1: That's a fair point. That's a very fair point. So I but you know, I just I, I jumped on Wedley and uh Wedley, you were correct, as per usual. <laughs> Just want to make sure that we're Paris in the first one, though. I do think if you're gonna make a Home Alone reference, <laughs> you should always reference Home Alone, uh, Wet Bandits Forever. Um, okay, this text comes in and says nine sixty nine sixty. Text lines open. Flame stock underway. What scares me the most was the lack of emotion from Kadri. and I don't even know where to begin to evaluate what we saw from number ninety one in that game. Look, and I, again, he was not the only one who struggled. We mentioned Rasmus Anderson and the mistake that he made, a glaring one that led to the 4-2 goal, which ends up being the game-winning goal. Jacob Markstrom, your number one goalie, $6 million guy, second highest paid player on the team, struggled. It was not a great night for number 25. So top players helped let the team down across the board. But the most glaring of examples was what we saw from Nazem Kadri because two egregious mistakes led to pucks in the back of Calgary's net and that's coming from your current highest paid player from a guy you need to lead the way and it's it's really hard to defend what you saw from kadri i don't know if you can defend what you saw from him and he did speak post game and was was asked about a couple of those mistakes on tuesday
3: turn it over i made a nice play uh you know, Ice was just getting a little chippy there at the end of the period. You've got to simplify your game and just, uh, you know, can't, uh, can't make those mistakes. And on that third goal, where you can try and use it to strip Lepak of the orbit there in the neutral zone? Uh, on their third goal, yeah. which one was that in there? Athena uh, CU in the neutral zone. Uh, yeah, just a breakdown. We got jammed up in the neutral zone. Um, you know, kind of came out of nowhere. Just have to look at it to see what, what really happened. But uh, again, you know, they, uh, they got some skilled players. Take advantage of mistakes.
1: So that was Nazem Kadri when talking about the mistakes made that led to goals on Tuesday. Um, There's been a rough couple of months for Nazem. And that might have been the, the worst of it. He goes to the All-Star game as Calgary's only representative at the time, deservingly so. Since coming back from the All-Star game, it's it's been a completely different story. And we're talking about two months now of him struggling and not looking like the reason why I was so amped up about Calgary signing cadre after what had already happened was I thought this was the guy that was going to kind of be your emotional spark plug on most nights the guy that drags you into the fight the guy that you're like okay this guy just want a cup he's coming here and we need him to be the guy that that when we're on the third game in four nights, we're on a back to back, he's going to be the guy to be the the emotional leader. And and he's also a hell of a hockey player. I have I've been a long time admirer of Kadri's game going back to like year 1 and 2 in Toronto when he was turning himself into this very underrated two-way center. And I liked so much of what I had seen from him up until the All-Star break. But this second half of the season has been really frustrating to watch. I uh, I don't know if it's the stuff that we've talked about with him and Daryl Sutter not being on the same page, not seeing eye to eye, clashing whatever, how you, however you want to phrase it. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's fatigue. I don't know if it's mental fatigue, physical fatigue. I don't know. But you need more from your highest paid guy. You need more from the guy that you brought in to be one of your primary leaders on this team on and off the ice. And and I I understand why there was so much vitriol as to what happened with Kadri against the Blackhawks. That That can't happen. That's unacceptable stuff in a game where your season is on the line. It wouldn't have
2: changed what happened in the 60 minutes against the Blackhawks. it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have changed that lazy, soft, one-handed attempt at a pass that then gets picked up easily behind the net and turns into a goal in the opening period. It wouldn't have changed it wouldn't have changed the fact that he gets pickpocketed in the neutral zone by a guy he should have known was right in his rear view mirror. And that turns into a key goal early in the third period of last night's game. It wouldn't have changed any of that, but wouldn't you have liked to hear Nazem Kadri yeah. stand in front of his locker last night as that leader that you talk about, as a guy who was fitted for a Stanley Cup ring last season and played a huge part of that for the Colorado Avalanche as your highest paid player, as your all-star rep, wouldn't you have liked to hear him stand there and say, this one's on me? Yep. Because it was. And as startling, perhaps, as the turnovers were, and, and I thought our buddy Eric Francis used a perfect word when when he described them as nonchalant. Yeah. As startling as that was, I, I was surprised as well by the lack of accountability there. I, I maybe this you know, maybe this rift or or maybe the difference of opinion between Nazim Kadri and Daryl Sutter is so much that he didn't want to be the guy to stand there and say this one's on me. But in the locker room, I, I wonder what value it could have had for him to do that. I agree. That that was a night where that would have looked like leadership to me, despite what had happened. Because, yeah, it's been a tough couple months. I think you summed it up really nicely. But last night was the most obvious example of Nazem Qadri not, not just, not necessarily helping the Flames win a hockey game.
1: Helping them lose.
2: Costing them one.
1: Yep. Got yeah, two two primary assists on Chicago goals. But you can it, it can't happen from your best guys, and and you know where they are through seventy eight games is not all on Kadri because there have been plenty of top players. Jonathan Huberdeau's had a historic drop. No, I, like when it's all said and done, we've probably never seen a single NHL player have a drop in points per game from one year to the next than what we're seeing from Jonathan Huberdeau. D- do I think he's a one fifteen perennial guy? No, but he's going to be he he might only flirt with 60 this year and and that's like you're almost cutting your point totals in half and it's not going from a 30 point guy to a 15 point guy middle sixer that that had a great this isn't Lance Boma with his career year and then all of a sudden dropping off like we all knew he would this is Jonathan Huberdeau an established decade long nhler who has put up 70 80 90 points before Having this type of drop off, Jacob Markstrom went from being on merit number two for the Vesna Trophy to being one of the worst starters in the National Hockey League. We're seventy eight games in. Uh, Nazem Kadri is in that conversation. Elias Lindholm went from being a selkie finalist to yeah, being good, but he's not he's not your driver on a night in night out basis. So it ain't just on Kadri. But last night in a game where they needed everybody on board, they were clearly going to be in a battle from puck drop against Chicago. In terms of work, you can't have passengers. And, and Kadri led the window seats on on Tuesday night. And that's what's super frustrating. And then you're right. I don't know if that was the definition of accountability post-game. And, and that's a little frustrating too.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. He he was not, to your point, the only passenger last night. Part of the reason we're having this discussion is, is the Flames had a lot of guys that you would put in the passenger department against the Blackhawks, and yet Nazem Kadri's turnovers directly resulted in two Blackhawks goals. Yep. And in a game of massive magnitude, however you want to describe them. If you want to say, well, you you need a really good game out of your highest paid player. That's accurate. You need a really good game out of the guy that you paid big money for because of his recent Stanley cup pedigree. He's made for these moments. That's, That's what we keep saying, what we keep hearing. Well, Okay, that's accurate. You needed a big game out of that guy. You needed a big game in that moment out of, of an all-star. you only all-star. Okay, that's accurate. It's all the same guy. And he cost you yep. the hockey game last night. If Nazem Kadri played better, would they have won for sure? They needed more guys on board. But he cost them the hockey game last night. And yep. I don't think through 78 games we've had that conversation about Nazem Kadri, we've had it about Jacob Markstrom, and we've had it about know, Huberto. About Huberto I remember when he passed up that shot in overtime, in, overtime in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. I remember having that discussion. You know, we've we've had this discussion about guys on the blue line. Nikita Zadorov is a recent example of having a really bad game. We've had this discussion about other guys. It's not just us piling on Nazem Kadri, except that today, Wednesday, April fifth. When we look in the rear view, he cost them the hockey game last night.
1: Pat, Wes, there's your look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op with new product families, member rewards, and sale events. You'll find more quality, more savings in every department, every day at Calgary Co-op. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show.
3: Anything and everything Calgary
2: Flames, it's all on Talk, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Time for a Wednesday edition of our Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, where they appreciate you for trusting them with your vehicle. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, just minutes. From the Calgary Airport. My name is Pat Steinberg. Wes Gilbertson of Post Media is with us on this Wednesday. And now we welcome in the voice of the Calgary Flames as well. Derek Wills joins us to complete our roundtable. Gents, uh, still breaking down what happened on Tuesday versus Chicago. And by no means am I trying to offer this up as an excuse. Because if this is the case, the Flames put themselves in this situation. They did this to themselves. But gents, how much do we think fatigue? Both mental and physical played into what we saw against the Blackhawks on Tuesday at the Dome?
0: Well, I definitely think it played a role and at the top of that list would be the goaltender. We talked about it post game on Sunday. We talked about it pre game on Tuesday. I think Jacob Markstrom is tired and quite frankly, I can't blame him. He's played uh, a lot of hockey. He's played more hockey than any goaltender in the NHL since the start of March. And You can see some things in his game when he's tired. His rebound control isn't quite as good. Pucks get through him. And I was seeing a lot of those things in the last three games when he had an 8.08 save percentage. And the other thing that I have noticed with Jacob Arkstrom when he's tired is he tends to look small. And he's not small. He's one of the bigger goaltenders in the NHL. So I think fatigue was definitely a factor for him. Was it a factor for some other Flames? Potentially. I talked to some players and staff who were on that trip to Vancouver last week uh, at practice on Saturday morning, and they all said that they were gassed coming back from that trip. So this is a team that uh, physically is playing kind of the same type of schedule as everybody else, but mentally, guys, this season has been such a grind for them. More one-goal games than any team in the league, more one-goal losses than any team in the league, as many overtime and shootout losses as any team in the league. And a head coach who pushes them probably as hard as any bench boss in the NHL. And I think that's led to some mental fatigue and, you know, they've been fighting tooth and nail to try to get in the playoff race or stay in the playoff race. And I think that can take a toll on you as
2: well. That uh, you, you hit on the right at the end there, you hit on what I wanted to say. And that's that we've sort of seen this scenario play out other times with a Flames team that's been in ninth or 10th, or where, requires so much energy and and so much investment to just stay in the race, to just kind of get within striking distance that so often there's a thud there. And, and that doesn't excuse it. It's just something that we've seen play out over and over. And Wills, you did a great job of, of summing up what a grind the whole season has been. And yet finally in the past, we can change you've You've had a lot of positives to build on in a row. You've strung together four wins you finally you finally pulled off a third period comeback, and then you pulled off another one and And just when it seemed like the momentum had started to turn in their favor, just when belief and optimism was turning to holy, like we can almost reach out and grab this now, there was the thud. And again, it doesn't justify it, but I do think fatigue was a part of it, and it's something that they're going to have to fend off again tonight in Winnipeg because that thud doesn't go away after 22 hours or whatever the length is between the two games. That that thud can kind of stick with you. I'm I'm sure they feel today like the wind has been taken out of their sails and not just because they got to friendly Manitoba in the middle of the night. And that's going to be a real challenge in a game that they absolutely can't lose.
1: When I hear uh, Daryl Sutter use the term um, "guys," looked like some of our top guys looked like they were playing with flat tires, which he said post game after Tuesday. That that makes me perk up and take notice when I see some of the um, mistakes that were made. That were let's be honest they were mental mistakes more than they were physical mistakes, whether it was Kadri that we talked pretty uh, at length about earlier this hour, Willsey, whether it was Rasmus Anderson's decision to pinch on the 4-2 goal, which usually he doesn't make that read. I I absolutely believe, I think physically, yes, they're fatigued and here they are going into Winnipeg, third game, four nights, all that. But I think the physical stuff gets exacerbated by the mental stuff and I think that chasing since, I don't know, January, like truly chasing since January and being in a spot where every game means so much, win or lose, I I think that takes its mental toll. And I think it took a toll against Chicago on Tuesday night without a doubt. I, I think that a lot of those mistakes don't happen if you're not a team that has been grinding both physically and mentally for as long as they have. And that's – you know, Willsey. I asked a question last week, you know, what gives you the l- most confidence that they can – overtake winnipeg and what is your biggest concern about calgary in their final six or seven at the time and my biggest concern was you've put so much equity and so much effort into getting back into this race do you have enough in the tank to be able to get over the finish line and get there and i we don't know the answer as of yet because there's still four games to go but that was the biggest concern for me. It remains the biggest concern for me, and I certainly wonder if there was a little bit of that going on against the Hawks at the Dome.
0: I do as well. I mean, the Flames put themselves in a great spot going into last night's game. A season-long, four-game winning streak. Wes, as you mentioned, you know, after going 75 games without winning a game, they trailed in following 40 minutes. They did it back-to-back games. They started to build belief and confidence and momentum, and we saw some of that swagger that we saw from the group last season when they finished first in the Pacific Division and won a playoff series. And you've got a game against the last overall Blackhawks. And I think if you were to ask some people off the record with the Blackhawks, and I think if you were to ask the majority of their fans, they'd probably rather lose games than win games at this stage of the season because right now they've got, I believe, the third best odds to win the NHL draft lottery going into last night's game. They had the best odds at 25.5%. They want to get their hands on Connor Bedard. They just lost Patrick Kane and Bedard could be a Kane replacement of sorts and could be a star in in the city of Chicago for the next decade or more. So uh, that win by the Blackhawks probably hurt them and hurt the Flames because the Flames had a chance to move into a tie for a playoff spot with a win last night. And I think put some pressure on the Jets in this game tonight. And instead, they kind of let the Jets off the hook a little bit. And to make matters worse, the Predators found a way to beat another division leader last night. So they're hanging around in this wild card race as well. So, yeah, I I do think fatigue was a factor, first and foremost for the goaltender, but uh, maybe for the group as a whole as well.
2: When when the goalie's feeling fatigued, the recipe to help him out is not, one odd man rush after another and, and that's what we saw you know I thought it was interesting Rasmus Anderson said last night sometimes you want it so badly like sometimes you're so urgent that it can work against you but I think everyone's having a hard time believing that was the case last night because for the third time this season we saw a Flames team that simply didn't measure up against the Chicago Blackhawks yeah and Hey, this is oversimplifying it, but the Winnipeg Jets are 4-0 and against the Blackhawks this season. The Flames are 0-2-1, and so that's a seven-point swing.
1: Yep. And we still have a lot to go until this season is done, but when it's all said and done, if they do end up missing, that's going to be one of the big reasons why is because of how they didn't take care of business enough. You're always going to get beat by teams that are below you. That, that happens in an 82-game season. It's the amount of times you let it, to ha- let it happen, and the Flames have, to this point, let it happen far too much. Daily Flames Roundtable. Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. Okay, guys, Wednesday in Winnipeg. It still means everything for the Flames, and this is truly their season on the line. They will, uh, mathematically they won't be, but they will be done dead and buried if they don't come away with two in regulation against the Jets. Knowing that, would you make any lineup changes? Would you shuffle the deck in any way, shape, or form in this one?
0: I would, because I thought the group as a whole, we just talked about fatigue potentially being a factor. Mm -hmm. I think the group as a whole lacked energy last night, didn't mind the first three or four minutes of the first period, didn't mind the last three or four minutes of the third period. I liked the second period. It was the last... 16 or 17 minutes of the first and the first 16 or 17 minutes of the third that really bothered me last night. And probably what we saw in the third period more than anything else, because they had momentum and they went into the third period, having tied the hockey game up in the second and it looked like uh, the game was right there for the taking. And they gave it away, gave up two goals pretty quickly and uh, never bounced back. So I think that the flames could use an infusion of energy tonight. So I would do one of two things, guys. And I know he had a goal and an assist, and his team's come from behind victory versus his former team, the Ducks, on Sunday. I would take Brett Ritchie out, and I would do one of two things. I would either put Michael Stone in as the seventh defenseman or put Jacob Peltier back in. And I would probably lean towards putting Peltier back in. It's been a while since he's played, and he certainly has a lot of energy off the ice. We've seen that even though he's been a healthy scratch in, what, nine of the last ten games? And I think he's played with a lot of energy on the ice. And if Daryl was worried about him maybe being a little bit burnt out, and that can happen to first-year players, especially small guys who don't play small like Pelletier, well, he's had plenty of time to uh, recharge his batteries, both mentally and physically. So I'd like to see Brett Ritchie come out. And I'd like to see either Michael Stone in as a seventh defenseman or Jacob Peltier in on the left side of a line with Nazem Kadri and Dylan Dubey, assuming the line stayed the same tonight. And uh, I think he could uh, bring some energy to the group. Uh, and Stone, hey, scored the game-winning goal on Sunday. So why not see him in his hometown of Winnipeg tonight?
2: Just before I uh, echo your thoughts, Wilsey, I want to remind you of your suggestion that we have a fine jar if you got Richie's first name wrong, I believe you. Oh, did you, I say Brett? You owe a couple of contributions. Uh, nick. Other than Catch it in the nick of time. Yeah. Other.
0: Other oh, than can that, I though,
1: for the round <laughs>
0: it's it's the first time I've done that too. What a, yeah, you were on a roll. I I know I hadn't done it since the trade.
2: I I like both of your ideas, and, and you know what I would say is I'd be looking for a way to achieve both of them. I think. Jacob Pelche can really help tonight. He's a a guy who's had a whole lot of time to recharge his batteries, to stew about what was not a great outing for him in the one game in this stretch that he did play. I'd like to see him back in the Flames lineup tonight in Winnipeg. And then I really like the idea of of going 11-7 and and getting Michael Stone back in. Chris Tanev, and I have all the respect in the world for him. He is playing through an injury for sure. And I believe through multiple injuries, he didn't look last night, like he could handle quite yet what the flames are used to asking out of them. And if you can get Michael stone dressed and have a seventh defenseman, if that can ease the amount that you're asking out of Chris Tanev, who's just back from an injury absence, I, I think that can help as well.
1: The, um, the one that I really think should happen and whether it's taking whatever player out, if you, you could Richie Lucic, whoever you want to point to, I think getting Jacob Capelche back in is what I would do. I I'm not, I'll be honest, guys, I'm not necessarily anticipating it, but it's what I would do. And, and I was even more adamant about it guys. You know, the whole uh, idea of not clapping in the press box, how it's, it's like a hard and fast rule. I was sitting seven, seven, or eight seats away from Jacob Pelche during that game against the Hawks. That guy doesn't follow the rule. Like that guy is up there clapping and cheering, and he is so. <laughs> I, 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 looked over there, and I'm like, this guy is friggin' awesome. Like he, <laughs> he is. Cl- when they scored the two goals, he's standing, he's clapping. This guy is dialed, and I know he's sat. I've lost count now. Is it nine of the last ten? Whatever yeah. it is, yeah. um, I, I don't think that should ever have happened. I don't think there is any reason why he needed to sit, sit 9 of 10, but here we are. I think he should be in against Winnipeg because the energy and the enthusiasm and the jolt that Jacob can bring to a lineup is exactly what I think this team needs right now. They looked like they were dragging ass. They looked like they were very, very close to running on empty. And now they've got the second half of a back-to-back with their season on the line. Put the kid in and get yourself some energy, get yourself some enthusiasm, and see if he can add just a couple of uh, little ticks on that on that meter as to whether your tank is full or empty. What do you have to lose at this point? Uh, so, yeah, he'll be rested. He is always dialed to 10, whether he's tired or not. I think he'd be the perfect tonic for the group.
0: So we're all in agreement, right, that uh, Jacob Paltier should be back in tonight, maybe even Michael Stone? Yeah. I'm not convinced that's going to happen. No, I'm not either.
1: I'm I'm not anticipating it.
0: I mean, Daryl Sutter loves older players that he feels like he can trust. And as we've seen throughout his coaching career, not just with the Flames, but with uh, the Kings for sure. I don't remember much before that. But, you know, he's a guy who makes young players and especially rookies earn it and I do think that Jacob Peltier did enough in his first 23 games to earn an opportunity to play again before the end of the season and I don't know maybe he has to wait until the Flames have clinched one way or the other and the chances are they're only going to clinch in a good way probably in game 82 so uh, he might not want to be back in the lineup uh, if things go the other way but uh, I would play Jacob Peltier tonight I think he could add some energy and You know, having uh, the seventh defenseman because Chris Tanev's coming back after missing six games and has been battling an upper body injury for the better part of the last year, I don't think that would be a bad idea. And, hey, as we saw on Sunday night, Michael Stone's shot can be a weapon. And you never know when he's going to bury one with a big shot from the blue line, just like he did to score the game-winning goal against the Ducks on Sunday. So, it's... uh, It's going to be interesting to see what Daryl Sutter does tonight. Does he get away from kind of what he's done throughout his career to uh, to try to change things up, or does he stick with the same group that uh, lost to the Blackhawks last night? We'll see.
1: Thank you, Wilsey. Okay, thanks, guys. That's uh, Derek Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg, and that right there is your Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, where they appreciate you for trusting them with your vehicle. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, just minutes from the Calgary Airport. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. Lots still to get to as we roll on. It's Pat and Wes along with you on this Tuesday. No, it's a Wednesday. Um, days blend together. We all know that. Um, before we dive in, just uh, want to make sure that we hit our talk best bets. Wes is always frothing at the mouth for that stock Best Bets brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. Um, went 1-2 and two on Tuesday. Went We're so close to 3-0, and oh, but we went 1-2. and two. But I'm not making excuses. Uh, we did hit. Austin Matthews over four and a half shots. We did not get Michael Backlund over three and a half. He finished at three. Nor Jonathan Marchessault over two and a half. He finished at two. Very annoying, but nonetheless, uh, we are. That makes us uh, two and three on the week going into Wednesday. I got to be honest with you. I have nothing for the Flames Jets. I have nothing because I don't have a hope in hell of understanding or. Projecting or trying to figure out what we're going to see at Canada Life Centre in Winnipeg, I don't know. I have no feel, so I'm exercising my right to abstain from betting on the game between the Flames and the Jets because I just don't know, Wes. Uh, I'm disappointed. I just, you know what? I get it. My I, best I get bet, it. my best bet on the Flames and Jets is just go to the next game, go to another game. So what do you got for us? I've only got one for you. I've uh, got Connor McDavid. I'm going to go. I, I you Who? know what? I'm I I might. I'm parlaying McDavid over three and a half and an Oilers regulation win in Anaheim. That's that's my play. You can get it up to around plus one fifteen, plus one twenty if you do that. So I'm I'm going McDavid to go over three and a half shots and the Oilers to win in regulation. But my best bet is McDavid over three and a half shots.
2: Okay. Okay. And, and sorry, I I must have just blacked out for a second. What do you have on the Jets Flames game?
1: My best bet for the Flames and Jets is don't bet it. That's my best bet. <laughs> you
2: heard it here first.
1: And you know what? I won't count that as a win. But you can't win or lose if you uh, don't bet the Flames and Jets. Honestly, I just I don't know what I don't know what to think about this game. I don't I don't know what we're gonna see from the Flames, and as a result, I don't know how to feel about this. Is it have they wa- have they waved the white flag or? Do they have another few drops to go out there and put it all on the line? I, I don't know. I do not know how to feel about this one tonight. Yeah, I,
2: I hear you. I am I I know what we expect to see and what you expect to see out of a team that is in, in do-or-die mode. And yet, based on last night and, and based on the travel and, and just... Just based on the fact that this team has been predictably unpredictable for almost six months now,
1: I totally hear you. So go McDavid. Uh, McDavid over three and a half shots. That's what I got for you on your Flames Talk best bets on this Wednesday. Uh, there's more games on Thursday, so we will have more for you on Thursday. Flames talk Best Bets brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play, free play only, 18 plus play responsibly. So I want to pick up on a topic from earlier on the round table this hour. And when I ask how much fatigue played into Tuesday's result, how much them... being out of gas might have played into what we saw against the Blackhawks. And again, I really want to make sure that you don't construe that or misconstrue that as me using it as an excuse because the Flames put themselves in that spot. The reason why they could be out of gas or could be so mentally fatigued is because of the spot they put themselves in and the fact that they have played themselves into a situation where they've had to be chasing for months now. So, if they are fatigued, it's by their own doing. But listen to uh, head coach Daryl Sutter. We talked a lot about Nazim Kadri and his night and the mistakes that he made. Listen to Daryl Sutter when uh, your buddy Eric Francis, because uh, I'm not calling him that. No, when, uh, when our buddy Eric Francis asked Daryl post game about those Kadri mistakes, listen to the head coach's response.
3: The Kadri's giveaway on the third goal is that just him? It seemed like both his giveaways, second and third goal, just nonchalant at a moment when it's probably not a good yeah, idea. I still know the energy was there. Some of our players, some of our guys looked like dead flat tires.
1: That, to me, is concerning. And then knowing game three, three and four with travel and the second half of back-to-back, yeah, that's, it's a little concerning to me. And I that's part of why as much as Most of the time, because as I texted you on Tuesday night, how on brand would it be for the Flames to lose that game against Chicago, go into Winnipeg, play a damn good game, and beat them 3-2 in regulation? It would be very on brand for what the season has been. And it would still be on brand if that's what we saw in game 79. But what gives me a little bit of pause is hearing that, is seeing what I saw, and just the uh, entire idea of just how much left is in the tank. And if the flames go out there whether they make the playoffs or not if they go out there and show that they still do have reserves and they're able to to find a way to run on fumes and pound out a victory against the jets then good on them and I'll be impressed whether they make it or not that'll be a a, a really impressive statement to me but I just usually my confidence level would be high in that regard I I just don't know because of that what we're going to see
3: and
2: and we get it right like it's a drain i'm sure you feel drained at game 79 of a season. I know I feel drained at game 79 of a season and we don't, we don't exercise. So, you know, we're not the guys out there putting in the work. I understand why they're feeling drained, especially as Derek put it in the last segment, because it's been such a grind of a season because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's felt like such a slog at times. And yet, If we don't see that effort, that sort of desperation and urgency and and whatever word you want to use for it tonight in Winnipeg, they're going to have a whole lot of time to relax starting a week from now. That's the stage that the Calgary Flames are at. If you want your season to go beyond next Wednesday night, if you want the adrenaline rush that comes with playoffs, because... That's where the tanks get refilled is, is when you get yep. the adrenaline of that Stanley Cup chase. If you want to experience any of that in 2022-23, you got to have it tonight. And not only do you have to have the desperation and you have to have the urgency and you have to have the execution, which is another word we heard a lot of last night. Yep. You have yep. to have the victory and you have to have it against another team that feels like they have to have it. So it's not going to be an easy game, and maybe that bodes well for a team that never seems to get the X on the free space on the bingo card.
1: And, I mean, I, 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 am, uh, I, I am a little concerned about this scenario, but here's what I know. If you're the Flames, you may not have a ton of gas in your tank, and that may affect your execution. And that may make things difficult. And the Jets team who have, this Jets team rather, that has responded to that really, really rough loss to San Jose just over a week ago, they might be, you know, that that might be enough uh, for, for them not to win this game. But from a desperation standpoint or an urgency standpoint, they have got to look like they're a team that, even if execution isn't there, even if they get beat by the better group, at least come away from the game as a fan saying, yeah, they left it all out there. And, and that's what I believe is non-negotiable tonight. However, in saying that, we didn't see that in the same situation against Chicago. And so if they don't do that, that's very, very concerning and very, very telling about where this group is. And that is going to light a fire under the already simmering conversation about the changes that are going to happen in the offseason. If they don't put that effort forward against the Jets, then I think that there will be no doubt about it, that we have got bigger pictures to be talking about in a week's time.
2: You just nailed it for me because they burned their excuse last night. Yeah, we can can say they were fatigued. Daryl Sutter said they were fatigued. They had... We should have asked them how many flat tires, because if we're talking about your standard four-wheeler, at least half the tires felt flat to me last night. And so you've burned the excuse. And tonight would be the night that it might be excusable. I don't know what time the Flames got to Winnipeg, but it must have been 2, 2.30 in the morning. This is a tough back to back. You're coming off a deflating loss. Yada yada yada. You still need that desperation and that urgency because of the stakes and because last night when you couldn't use any of that as an excuse, mm-hmm. you didn't have it. It's going to be fascinating.
1: It'll tell it it will absolutely tell us a lot.
2: Yeah. It will. Because a night like last night made it easy to question whatever you want. You could question the character. You can question the preparation. You can question the coaching. You can question whether the guys they targeted with those big deals in the offseason are the right pieces. You can question all of it after you lose to the worst team in the NHL in a game that you can't lose. Those questions are all fair game today. Mm-hmm. So what comes next? Well, how do they respond to it? And it might be, it might be too late. As as we've talked about, you don't control your own destiny anymore if nope. you're the Calgary Flames.
1: Even with a win against Winnipeg. But you can't just slide
2: out of relevance either. Yeah. Let's see some fight till it's over.
1: Um Text line, 960-960 before we move on to another topic. Um Here's what I told a season ticket holder friend yesterday. Stand by it. They're giving up. They've given up. The city has given up on them. The coach seems more disinterested than usual. The morale must be terrible. The players have got to be pissed off. They're either going to kill the Jets tomorrow night or lose 9-1. This says, if the Flames... Oh, go go ahead.
2: Can I just jump in for one second? Because we can use a whole lot of words to describe Daryl Sutter. I'm not sure disinterested is ever fair. Yeah. Yeah. Not the way he coaches.
1: Agreed. I don't think that that ever, uh, I don't think he's ever not dialed to 10. He's been accused of
2: a lot, yep. but disinterest, I, I think, I'm not sure that's the right term. Yep. In fact, I'm sure it's not the right term.
1: Uh, This says, I don't get the athlete fatigue thing. They play under 20 minutes in a game. Sure, they get in later to Winnipeg, but then sleep all day. They don't get up for a day job. Go play hard. Uh, I think it's a little easier said than done. Um, You go pound your body for 82 games. These guys are millionaires. And they, the, the criticism that they take from you, the criticism they take from West, the criticism they take from me is all part of what goes along with being a millionaire athlete. And, you know, there are limits. We don't attack them personally. We don't go after their families. But what they do on the ice where they're paid six, seven figures and are in the top 0.1% of human beings making money on the planet what goes along with the territory is criticism and and uh, praise when it's warranted criticism when it's warranted but at the same time these are human beings that pound their body for 7 months a year it it is not that comparison um is uh, and i'm not look i'm not saying that if you're a construction worker or if you do hard le- like of course i'm not saying that they do it any, any better or um, it's any more difficult, all I'm saying is that they're still humans. Even though they're top-level athletes, they're still humans, and they're nursing injuries. And you know it. If you work hard labor, you know that sometimes if you're, if you're, on, you're on day 17 in a row, that can be difficult. Or if you're at the end of a long month, you're dragging. So it, it goes along. So I, I don't think it's quite that simple when you're talking about a job that involves... The, the number one job is, is the physical side of it. The number one part of being a pro athlete is the physical side of it. So it's not an excuse, but it is part of what goes along with it for every pro athlete.
2: Yeah, you can't have it every which way. and And by that, I mean, you can't say... The Nashville Predators have no chance of getting into the playoffs because look at their schedule. Look at what they're up against. And then after a rotten outing or heading into a big game like tonight, say that none of that can be a factor. Mm -hmm. Now, part of why they're paid millions and part of what you expect is that they're able to persevere through that. So it's not as big of a factor but it's a factor. Uh,
1: This says uh, Flames will not need to... Flames will need to not only win this one in regulation, but they'll now need a lot of help from some other teams down the road. This team put themselves in a crap position. Absolutely. Uh, This says if the Flames are on fumes, digging deep, what does it matter if they make the playoffs? Uh, This says... um, Pelche should have been in last night. Signing Daryl over the summer was the biggest mistake. The vision of this franchise and what to expect for the next decade is bleak. Just boneheaded decisions behind the bench with players who clearly don't give a darn. Um, And this says there's no reason why 17, 22, or 27 should be playing put in Pelche. I do, going back to our roundtable topic, I do think, whether they do it or not, and I don't really... And I'll be surprised if they do, as much as I think that they should. Um, putting Pelche in, I think, would give a big-time shot in the arm to this group. And a shot in the arm when they need a shot in the arm? Seems like a good decision to me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And yet, I think, and I believe I'm just echoing what you've already said, I, I'd be more surprised if... Jacob Pelche was in the lineup tonight than I would be if he wasn't. What what I know of Daryl Sutter from my time covering him is in, in moments like this, after, after bad games, as inexcusable as they might have been, he likes to basically say to the group, this is yours, go make it happen. Yep. And for that reason, while I'm absolutely in agreement that Jacob Pelche could help and should be in the lineup tonight. I think the most likely scenario is we see the same 19 plus backup Dan Vladar that we saw last night.
1: That's my guess as well. What did we make as we wrap things up? Cause Jacob Markstrom, We've known this forever, that Jacob Markstrom starting this game against Winnipeg and nobody in this city was thinking Dan, I know there were a lot of people out of markets like, does that mean they're going to Vladar against the Jets? No, no, no. When they started Jacob on Tuesday against Chicago, it was because they were going to Jacob in both games. I didn't like the decision. I I was quite adamant Friday and Sunday and Monday that I think Dan Vladar should have started that game against the Blackhawks. Now, I don't think that that, that I have no idea. Like, I don't think it would have necessarily made a difference in the win because I was more concerned about this game against the Jets when it comes to Markstrom than I was against the Blackhawks. The team in front of him was listless as well. But now you're going up against the team that you need to beat and you're going to go Markstrom on the second half, but back to back. I just, and he looked tired before and he looked tired against Chicago I I would have gone to Vladar going in, and I guess my opinion hasn't changed after what I saw against the Hawks. And I get, by the way, I get the idea of we're going with our guy. We need, and that's what Daryl said pregame on Tuesday. I respect the reasoning. I just still would have gone with Dan Vladar in that game.
2: Yeah, one of the things Daryl told us yesterday morning is when it's game seven, you want your ace, right? In a must-win game, you want your best pitcher on the mound. And yet we're talking about game six and seven in a lot of ways. Now I think I would have done the same thing if, if it was my decision and knowing the way that Jacob Markstrom has responded since you essentially told him, however, that message was delivered. Hey, you know, this thing we're going as far as you're going to take us. Yep. I like the way he's responded since, and yet you certainly worry that in what is a really tough back-to-back, you might be asking too much out of them. Would I have done the same thing? I, I think I would have. You would have gone Jacob Yeah, yesterday? I would have gone Jacob in both, which I'm sure we're going to see. But...
1: I would have had he not have shown the signs of fatigue he showed against Vancouver and he showed against Anaheim in the first period. Yeah. That's that's the main reason why. And they've shown the ability to win, especially with Dan Vladar as their backup. And they did it in Anaheim after the 8-2 loss. So that and and Vladar played the two periods against Anaheim uh, on on Sunday, right? So that's why it just felt like this. And I know seasons on the line. I get the thinking. And usually I'd be there, but because of some of the signs I'd seen from Jacob, and I don't know. I mean, I didn't think Jacob looked great. I thought that he was one of the top players last night that was off it. I just that's that's why I would have gone. And then you don't. There's no risk. Of or there's as mitigated risk as possible of Jacob not being at his peak energy levels or where he needs to be for this game against Winnipeg. Win or loss against Chicago.
2: I, I think you were the the difference might be, if this makes sense, which game you were opening yourself up for criticism. If you Played Dan Vladar last night, and he had a shaky outing. And, and knowing what we know now, it wasn't Jacob Markstrom's finest night. But if you played your backup last night, and and potentially he's part of the reason you lose, it would have been easy to say. What were you thinking playing your yep. backup in a must-win game?
1: And I know that that would have been hard for, you know, you're like, I second-guessed myself and put another guy in, didn't go with my best guy. Right. Then you're really mad at yourself.
2: And, I and, get it. Yeah, and what you've done instead is you've opened yourself up to the criticism on, on the back end of it tonight, where if Jacob marks some struggles, it's going to be really easy to look and say, that was too much to ask. That back-to-back was too much to ask out of your number one goalie. Yep.
1: Well, something to talk about tomorrow, maybe. No, I don't think we'll be talking Flames at all on Flames Talk on Thursday. Nothing about this game in Winnipeg. Uh, That'll wrap us up. Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. Taylor and Cam have been our producers this hour. This has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key-to-like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalgaryLockAndSafe.com.